what up, what up, what up? Welcome to yet another episode of Between Two Posts. Kyle, alongside Everett, uh, what's new with you? You know, just getting her done every day. Excited to uh, hopefully see some hockey here again soon and uh, keep the podcast rolling. What's new with you, man? Yeah, I think we're all ready for hockey to be back. Um, I mean, rinks have been opening up, so I've just been kind of skating. And No, that's good, man. You're getting a skate again. You think you're going to make a comeback or what? <laughs> I've been asked that too many times. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, who's calling? Is like the Tampa Bay Press calling? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, a couple of the couple of the newspapers have uh, tried. They keep knocking on the door. They're like, you know, we got to get the inside scoop. I'm like, guys, come on, a little privacy. So, What's it like living with all the paparazzi outside your house constantly, just waiting for an appearance? <laughs> uh, I mean, I honestly wouldn't know, but. Um, <laughs> no uh, i mean who knows though i mean i, I obviously hockey's and probably the best game there is and uh you know even i mean i skate beer league i think three nights a week right now but it's uh i definitely miss like the grind so who knows so for all those kids out there that are on the brink of uh should i play junior should i keep going uh kyle's advice would be keep going absolutely keep going and even after that like Try to keep going. I mean, you don't want to be 40 and be looking back and regretting not at least trying. So, Are you taking a shot at me? No. Because that's, that's what I do. I just look back and say, you know what? If coach would have put me in, we would have won state championships and I would have played pro hockey. At the end of the day, all they, they just should have put me in. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here you know, doing this podcast with you. True. You would be in the NHL right now. Without a doubt. I would be... Would be- I- we would be interviewing you for this podcast. <laughs> I can't even take that serious. Um, but in other news. In other news, uh, Everett did bail on us for roller hockey nationals down here in Florida. Uh, what else, though, Ev? <laughs> Besides that, um, UAH, the program's back on. I don't yes. know if you've seen. Alabama, Huntsville, the Chargers. That's exciting stuff. Shout out to uh, George McBay. Shout out to David Fezenden. A couple of big Vaughn guys out there. Um, but yeah, I was talking to them and it sounds like everything's back on. They got enough funding for uh, to go forward for another year. So it'll be interesting to see where the pro- program grows from there. Yeah, they, I mean, they got some big push from like NHL guys. I think that obviously carries a lot of weight. And uh, I mean, who knows? Hopefully it really like boosts the program. And, you know, because I, I know... Obviously, they haven't exactly been a top tier. They haven't been in the spotlight as much as others, exactly, right? Exactly. So hopefully this is a positive uh, change and brings some money into the program and helps recruit and helps get them some better facilities. And, you know, everyone wants to see hockey grow. And obviously, I, there's not many Division One college hockey programs out there. So anytime you risk losing one, that's a huge impact all the way down it's a it's a domino effect it's going to affect juniors it's going to affect uh like even high schools probably guys not as many guys are going the junior route then who knows i mean it's crazy well and then you think for us too because we're only a fraction like talking about goalies we're a fraction of a team in college you get three guys junior you get two so that's three less spots that we have access to to go play at the next level which which is actually a lot. <laughs> it's tremendous like, in the grand scheme yeah. of things. It sounds small, but when you're talking about goalies across NCAA, we you know if I could do the numbers, that like that's a, still a big chunk. It's bigger than exactly. what you'd assume. Yeah. This this brings up the other topic. How cool would it be to see hockey like it, as an NCAA D1 sport in the SEC? So say you got UA yeah, I mean, leading the pack, you get Alabama roll tied in there, you get some Florida schools going. How sick would that be? So, Here's the the thing. Basically, right now, I mean, the only reason that hasn't really happened, the two main reasons are travel and then following. I don't think following would be an issue after one season. Like, I think it would be picked up pretty quick. And obviously, you look at how well, like, the Lightning have done in a a southern market. Um, Dallas, like, there's a lot of southern teams who have found success. Um, And I think, obviously, you know, guys want to go to schools like Arizona State, where it's a unreal school guys would probably want to go to to big state schools in florida or alabama so i think if they can figure out travel costs uh that should definitely be coming up in the future hopefully 
I mean, that'd be an incredible winter sport, though, especially down south. Like Ryan was saying, Ryan Miller, who he uh, got on the podcast today. Oh, yeah, yeah. He shows up yeah. to the rink in flip-flops and shorts like a surfer, bro. <laughs> and, like, you just walk in, you stroll, and you go to practice for the day, do workouts, and then you go right to the beach. Yeah. How incredible would that be? Nothing better. I mean, so, you had a little time in Hotlanta, right? Was it like that? Down where? Hotlanta, Atlanta. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I even think of it now, though. Like, now, when we go to skate, like, I show up in, like, sometimes even a swimsuit if we're going to the beach before we, or after. We get it. Flops. You live in Tampa. You don't got to rub I'm it just, in. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> Mil- I mean, that's what Miller's doing, except in the NHL. He's showing up showing up in some board shorts, flip-flops, and just going to practice. It's and he gets, he gets paid to show up where you have to pay to play, so. No, 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 no. I'm a... I'm a, I'm a free ride. Oh, you're I get that my good, cost huh? Covered. Oh, yeah. I get my cost covered. Do you get a little per diem per day? Like they pay for your gas when you show up kind of thing? I actually, my uh, my Sunday night beer league team does pay. They pay like. What? They, they pay my like team fee and they'll bring me like beers. Like I never bring beer, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's my per diem, I guess. Oh my God, Kyle Conan living the dream, everybody! Look at yeah. this. This yeah. is what we. This is what we strive for as goalies. I mean, that was my goal as a kid. It, you know, I mean, I shot for the NHL and I landed at uh, no team fees in beer league. So yeah, yeah, close. Those are very similar. The margins, you know. Yeah. Undeniable. Well, maybe maybe we send it over to uh, an actual NHL goalie and get his take on what it's on like in the league. On. Yeah. Here's Ryan Miller. Between two posts tonight, hailing from the beautiful city of East Lansing, Michigan, standing at a strong and handsome six foot two inches, Ryan Miller. Welcome to the pod, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Good. Just like everybody else, just killing some time. Trying to find a way to stay busy, huh? Yeah, talking about some gear that that perked my interest up. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that never gets old. Like no matter where you are in your career, when when it comes to gear, you're just a little kid in a candy store. Yeah, it's it's fun. It goes from when you're a kid trying to figure out how not to get hurt or dinged in the inside of the kneecap on like, <laughs> and then it turns into uh, you know the style of your your play. <laughs> Well, I think at the end of the day, it's why we all jump into playing goalie. I don't think I've ever woken up like as a kid and said, oh, I want people to fire biscuits at me. It's, wow, like, look at that set of gear. Like, when you see the icebergs, like, oh, that would be sick in my colorway. Like, that's what kind of, it sparks the creativity, right? So, I think it's just that little piece of of the pie that keeps us going. But um, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, I know... Um, you had played, uh, you know, I had a crazy career at Michigan state. I had graduated from there too in 2015. So just like a, a little bit later, um, but, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask, did you ever find out or did you hear about the Stanley cup party they had at the Rick's American cafe? Uh, which one? <laughs> I think it was the one in the later nineties because, uh. I yeah. guess I don't know how it ended up there, but rumor yeah. has it they took the Stanley Cup after they had won straight to East Lansing and they partied at Rick's. Well, that was the so it's probably '95. Uh, it was the first year they really let guys take the cup for like a bit of time, or like one of the first years. And Dan Cole was part of the uh, the Devils team that won, so he actually got the cup. And uh, <clears throat> my brother Drew and I went over to see it at his house. Because uh, Dan's a good old Spartan, and he's now the coach there. And so we went. It was a pretty epic day for us because it was like we went to see the Stanley Cup, and then like Hootie and the Blowfish were in town. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went to see Hootie and the Blowfish, and we had like these picnic uh, tickets, so you could lay out a blanket and just kind of like have whoever's around kind of hang out. And. So my like we had these good seats and um, this is it's actually a pretty good story. Um, so we had these good seats for Hootie and Blowfish. They're getting all ready to go and um, 
So my dad had been a, a select coach for Michigan. They got different levels scouting the select teams to represent Michigan for some of the USA tournaments. Yep. And, oh, man. So one of the guys who he had played for, uh, I think it was Harold Schock, you know, played at Michigan. I hope I'm getting the, the right person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, so, like – really roundabout way like his girlfriend went to stanford was like friends with tiger woods who was in town to do something and then like their seats weren't as good so he's like hey mr miller can we sit with you guys you know i told my girlfriend and her friend we're gonna have these great seats for this cool concert and they're not that good so they came and sat with us so it's like tiger woods before he turned pro and we're all hanging out watching hoodie and blowfish and then the Stanley Cup was in town, and then the Stanley Cup ended up at Rick's, and I, you know, I, I was 15, so I missed that one. But um, <laughs> couldn't sneak in at that age, not yet, anyway. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, but it was a pretty epic day in East Lansing, and uh, it's funny. I, like my dad, my brother, and I found ourselves kind of in the middle of it. <laughs> that was a wild. So I've, I obviously wasn't there. But uh, I've heard that story told from so many different people. The same, all in one weekend where Hootie was there, Tiger Woods was there, and then they took the cup to Rick's and the cup was in East Lansing. Like, what a crazy weekend. That's hilarious. Well, and then in, my brother brought the cup uh, to East Lansing in 2007. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty cool year for us too because, like, you know, a you know, we didn't win in Buffalo. Like it was a tough end of the season, but we won the president's trophy. Yeah. And then Drew got called up to the ducks for the entire playoffs. Like he, he was in the American league, his first year pro on the 80th, like the 79th or 80th game in the American league. They're like, you're coming up. And then he got put right into the lineup for a game and first round. And then he played two games of the final. So Drew immediately went from American league first year playing pro to Stanley cup final winning the cup. And then he brought it home. And so the president's uh, trophy and the Stanley cup were both in the family that year. And he brought the Stanley cup down to the land shark. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Cause that's where uh, the boys would hang out then. And then drew actually his, uh, his wife, Colleen had been a, a bartender there. So they brought it back to there. Wow. So East Lansing's uh, no stranger to the Stanley Cup, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's that's crazy you brought up the Landshark, though, too, because that had been closed down while I was going to school there. So I think they reopened it like going into my last senior year. But uh, that's too funny. He was able to take it back to another bar there. Just another staple in East Lansing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's found a way to hang around. That's awesome. But uh, I mean, with that being a, you know, not probably the way you want to go after winning the president's trophy, but your brother gets to win it. So I guess it's a little bit of a sweet and sour year that year, huh? Yeah. I mean, you lose, you bow out and we actually, our whole family flew out to watch Drew play in the first two games of the final. And then, uh, then we kind of let him kind of roll with it and I stayed back in, in Michigan but when he did win it I was happy for him and it was kind of cool in a way you know both of the major trophies in the of the season were in the family and um got to see my my great aunt take a Jaeger shot out of the Stanley Cup was that was definitely uh <laughs> that's unreal she had to be like in her she had to be like 90 or so by then and she just took a shot at Jaeger and just said, oh, that's smooth. <laughs> so obviously your last two years at Michigan State were, uh, I mean, I, I don't even think there's words to describe them, but your junior year, you won the Hobie Baker and had 40 games played, a 1-3-2 and a 9-5-0 save percentage. I mean, that's just, were, were you considering maybe turning pro right away or is that not as big of a thing back then? Well, yeah, actually, it was my sophomore year. Okay, my bad. <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit confusing at the time because I got drafted <clears throat> before my freshman year. I got drafted to uh, 
to Buffalo. And it was, uh, I was like their second pick of the fifth round. It, it, and I took it more of a, you know, Hasek was there at the time. So I was just kind of taking it as, you know, I got to really do something in college to kind of set myself. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a, a great year and um, just looked at the landscape and how things were playing out. And uh, it didn't look like, I think Hasek got traded like late that year. Um, so it was a little bit confusing what to do because they had two young guys in the system. They had Nika Norn and Marty Baron. Um, yeah. And I kind of felt like I needed more time to get myself stronger. Like I, I'm still a very skinny guy and um, <laughs> I wasn't that far removed from being even skinnier. So it was like, I, I wanted the time to develop and, and make sure I was going to make a, an immediate impact. I didn't want to have to ramp up to pro hockey. I wanted to step in and play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wanted to come back. And so I came back for my junior year. We had, a, you know, we had a good year that year as well, but not quite as much success as that our soft, my sophomore year. And, uh, but after that, it didn't make sense to wait any longer. So I left after my junior year. That's smart though. I mean, taking that little bit of time and taking that, you know, approach to like, I think too many people today, at least you see kids want to jump in. They want to go to the pros They, you know, you want to get to that next level as quick as possible. But when you really think about where you're at in development, going in too early, like you said, you could get lost behind some guys that are currently there, you know, prospects that might've had like a year in the AHL already. So then yeah. you could get caught, you know, playing in the minors a little bit longer and then maybe lost in the shuffle. But I think that's the smart approach to taking it, you know, making sure when you go in, you're ready. And then you can possibly take that spot and start playing in the NHL. Um, yeah, you, know, you want to know you're ready for every level. And if you have the the option, it, sometimes you just have to take that chance. It's, it's kind of unique to everybody. I, th- I think obviously it worked out for me, but it was a big focus for me to be physically ready, mentally ready. Everything just had to align and then uh, I could make a good push. Heck yeah. No, it totally makes sense. Now, with Michigan State being on our topic still, I wanted to bring up the legend. He's basically a pillar at Mun Arena, T. McGee. He was there when you were there, right? Oh, yeah. T. was there a long time before I was there. No one <laughs> Oh, man, is he a beauty. Every year we get to see him. He's just the uh, – when he's standing that back there in the equipment room behind the desk, he's got that big smile on his face. Love yeah. chatting with T. Yeah, we we had a lot of fun with him. I think our class was pretty famous for messing with him, but he loved it. It was it's all good hearted stuff. Just we would try and rub him just enough that he would get a, a little bristly, but he you know, you know he'd, he'd be smiling about it. So it was fun. Just enough to stir the pot while uh when you need sticks, he's still gonna give them to you. So he's not that mad, right? No, he's not that mad. And he still would be <laughs> out roasting a, a pig or getting something going. Uh before the big football game so you you knew that was gonna be be all right absolutely you're gonna run into him before the big tailgates for sure um now jumping ahead here ryan you i scotty wasn't sure 100 percent, and brent kind of brought it up but you had a clothing store at one point is that right yeah that was before like the e-commerce kind of took off uh i i I met a, a friend in in rochester and uh we opened a clothing store because uh i don't know east lansing is not a fashion capital and i know that <laughs> that's safe to say <laughs> a lot of but there's a lot of kids coming from all over who are maybe a little bit more used to the access and so we just did clothing and kind of did high-end like denim and jeans and stuff to go with it and uh i mean the business model ended up being pretty sound we did okay uh we had some complications uh, in some other areas to kind of send us a different direction and we kind of had to wind it down but it was uh it was a fun little experiment i think that we had some fun with all the people in town it was actually interesting to open up and run a business and, and get the reaction from everyone and and yeah it, it was a fun little, little experiment but it, it had to run its course and and we're now out of the fashion industry. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the like the jeans like back in the day it was like True Religion or Mavi and I, I'm forgetting all the brands, but like uh, generally just the stuff that was hard to get unless you went to a 
a department store that was like bigger and, and mid Michigan really didn't have that. And a lot of the smaller college, college towns didn't have that. So we were kind of thinking like if it, w- it was going to be a success, you know, we could branch out a bit, but that was right around the time, like the internet uh, commerce was picking up and like Amazon was starting to take off and um, you know, Zappos and like all these places that, you know, people probably don't, know about zappos now but like you can buy shoes and uh various other things and you get free shipping and you get free returns and like all that's definitely stuff. aging yourself there a little bit ryan with the zappos <laughs> reference <laughs> yeah. oh, so was I... that was that during uh your college days or once you were pro no once i was pro like okay uh, so <laughs> so like what was the name of your store out there uh it's called the refinery all right did you do you think you kind of carried over your fashion taste into then like what you would wear on a daily basis? Are you still pretty fashionable? Oh, I gave up on fashion. (laughs) How can you give up on fashion when you're living out on the West coast? Now you're about down there in Anaheim near LA too, right? Like that's fashion city. I know, but it requires a lot less uh, layering here. So I've gone pretty hard towards the the t-shirt and shorts and just, beach bumming it now just classic surfer guy wear now that's like i didn't realize the extent of it it's pretty impressive you were able to pull that off while you were playing and still manage and run a business like that's um, uh that's a lot of fun yeah well my dad stepped in and helped quite a bit uh <laughs> I wanted to uh do something my family could have some fun with and yep uh like i said there became some complications later on and it just didn't see, you know make as much sense is a little bit of a stretch, so we, we wound it down. Well, that and you probably want to focus on, you know, playing in the National Hockey League, right? <laughs> yeah, I learned a few lessons about that. That's right. I mean, you want, I mean, you got to experience something, too, that a lot of people don't, is being able to, you know, the challenges of, you know, approaching something like that, opening up a store, having, uh, you know, product and selling things, so... I think that's a, it's an interesting step to take because you, you know, you take a chance and you, you develop as just a person in general on a professional sense. But, uh, another little Rochester tidbit I heard, which I had, even when I was following you as a kid, I never knew this, but you were in a band at one point, right? Yeah. Little rock star lifestyle. What were you, uh, what instrument you play? I, I picked up guitar when I was like 15 or 16. Oh, uh, no way. And yeah, not really a rock star lifestyle as much as it was <laughs> back in in Rochester in the American League. You'd play maybe on a Thursday night, but usually like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. You'd have weeks where you'd mix in some weekday games, but generally it's like three games on the weekend and three or four days off. Mm-hmm. And the way we had practice set up and we were just kind of bored and Tom Askey was the other goalie on the team. And he's like a really accomplished, you know, guitar player, singer, like he's still doing his thing and, and he's living like near Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, but he's always been in heavily into music and playing singing and all that stuff. So he was kind of dragging guys into like, Hey, like, you know how to play guitar. Let's get together. And then uh, Steve Lindgren was a defenseman on the team he played drums for a long time so he's like you know how to play drums let's go he's like well i don't have a kit and derek roy happened to have just bought a drum kit and so like he's trying to learn and like so steve was kind of helping him so it all kind of just came together as like we you know we learned how to fake some songs and we uh we had some friends around town like tom had friends around town and who were in another band so essentially we just taught ourselves enough songs where we'd just go like with that band would be on at a bar, you know, every band takes a break. They would, instead of having a break from the music, they just have us plug into their stuff and we play for like a half hour. No way. That's crazy. You guys just threw together basically a garage band, right? Yeah. Just garage band style. And the boys from the team would come out and like, we'd just goof around. People in Rochester loved it. Uh, because oh, yeah, I was going to say, you guys are a huge, huge community guys. I mean, you're running the clothing store, local business, and then every now and then you guys are putting on a performance. I mean, the town must have drawn up some you know, fan base from hockey and just kind of relating everyone in the community. 
Yeah, it it was fun. I mean, Derek, you know, Derek Roy would sing a few songs and play a little bit of the drums. Langren played drums. Tom would sing. I, I just play like rhythm guitar and like we we learned enough songs where we could kind of fake it and have some fun and uh yeah it was just something to do on like that monday or tuesday when you knew you weren't doing anything until like the weekend <laughs> well we get we don't got games till the weekend you guys want to go just put on a show somewhere yeah for yeah. sure we can do that <laughs> oh we just we started out by practicing in our uh in the basement of one of the houses and we do it on like a monday or tuesday and we just we get like a a case of beer between you know it's like four or five of us hanging out at any one time and we just start learning some songs uh, messing around and it was good because Tom was kind of just taking the lead on it and he's a good musical artist. So, you know, we were just kind of throwing that, you know, garage style backing. Uh, did, did you have a signature song you guys did? Uh, I mean, we played a lot of like tragically hip Pearl jam, uh, just stuff that was popular and easy. Oh yeah, man, getting into a little bit of that grunge, huh? <laughs> yeah. Go the true religion jeans on and get up on stage <laughs> and just jam for a couple hours. Yeah. I bet, I bet you in Rochester there were people that knew Ryan Miller, the guitar player, but like that was how they knew you as before being a goalie. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. There was <laughs> no wailing on the guitar. It was just making sure we keep the keep the song going. <laughs> just keep things yeah. moving along. So after that, we'll kind of skip ahead a little bit to 2009, which was just an absolute year for you. You win the Vesna uh, NHL First All-Star Team, NHL Foundation Player Award, Olympic All-Star Team, Olympic Best Goals Against Average, Best Goaltender in the Olympics, Best Save Percentage, MVP in the Olympics, and of course, a silver medal. I mean, I remember watching that because I was... Uh, I'm obviously a lot younger than everyone else on here, <laughs> but that was like during, you know, when you're just looking up to every goalie and you were like on a pedestal that year. And I remember that Olympics, you went on an absolute tear and it was awesome to watch. And uh, I mean, how, how did you feel after that year? Oh, it was definitely a satisfying year. I mean, I, I mean, I took the, the loss pretty hard. Uh, I was trying to stay optimistic, but it was tough to get that close and and not win. Yeah. <clears throat> it was something like, you know, would have been amazing to be a part of as an American group who walked into Canada and pulled it off. Uh, we were... Yeah, I mean, I've always liked those kind of tournaments. Like you grow up as a kid, those, those are the tournaments you play, the short runs where you get hot and you can make something happen. And, um, and that's the mindset I took. I, I built my entire year based on the Olympics, my training regimen, my mental approach, the fact that I could get into a short situation and get hot and have to go up against Canada, Russia, uh, and depending on how Sweden and Finland kind of went you know who you know who are we going to go up against uh so i mean my entire focus that year was you know kind of split between pursuing the stanley cup and pursuing the olympic gold definitely so it brings up a couple questions one is so did you change how you trained over summer for that year uh knowing you might have a little more games or higher intensity games in the middle of the season yeah we uh my uh, I worked with a trainer at uh, Mid-Michigan uh, named Rebecca Klinger, and we took the approach that we were going to peak at different times, and we snapped yep. everything out, and we so we peaked. Uh, I can't remember exactly when we did the peaks, but you know, one was like a ramp-up in training camp where usually I would try and hit a little harder uh, and really try and be pushed out of the gate there, but we tried to kind of – taper and maintain energy at different points and it really worked out well because i felt like i had strong energy and then yeah i'd, I'd say it worked <laughs> it definitely looked like it worked out there on the ice so yeah it was an interesting year too because i was coming off an injury the prior year where i had to kind of stay on my routine so 
really, I, I guess it was probably a year and a half, almost two years in the making because of the way my, uh, my training went. Yeah. So then another part two to this, maybe a little controversial, but uh, would you say it maybe took a little more focus away from the Stanley Cup goal at the end of the year? Because obviously, you know, the NHL has tried to steer away from players going to the Olympics. So do you think that's a factor or would you like to still be able to participate? Well, I mean, it is a factor. You're playing extra hockey and some guys aren't. Uh, you're playing extra hockey. You're just you're shifting things around. Your, your mentality is divided. There's yeah. a factor, but it's also you have to also allow the hockey. I mean, hockey being limited to only NHL games is and only NHL challenge for the Stanley Cup is is pretty recent history. I feel mm-hmm. like you know pro hockey was there's a lot more challenge cups back in the day. There's a lot more short tournaments. Uh, different teams would play through different leagues. So, I mean, when the NHL kind of consolidated everything around the Stanley Cup, uh, you lost a little bit of that, but there's still, you know, other pro hockey and there's other international hockey. And, you know, there was world championships and other things that guys do focus on during the year, uh, which are, I feel it's always important to challenge for, every major tournament if you're a high caliber player you want to play on every team you can and it's not realistic to go like nhl olympic world championship and like play you know all of those games but i mean why not <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then I, I guess the other part is uh when they brought up the world cup of hockey in 2016 um do you think that's a reasonable solution if we're gonna kind of stay away from olympics or is it um is it the timing that makes it better do you think or is it just any tournament outside of the nhl would be a a nice bonus i don't mind the nhl and nhlpa taking control of something like that i think it's good to bring attention in a different way and and give hockey fans kind of what hockey really is it's like there are short tournaments there are challenge cups there are things that in history i think were really cool uh you know the end result every year going for the stanley cup is obviously the greatest pursuit i just like that there were always other ways to be competitive so i don't mind it but at the same time it's it's a little bit confusing with the way the olympics are set up and the status of amateurism versus you know how much money the ioc makes and i call yeah. these things. so I, I i don't know it's a tough one I, I think it's important to play in all the big venues you possibly can to you know keep hockey moving forward for sure yeah you just want to keep growing that fan base right keep things um keep the game in front of everybody on uh, a couple different landscapes but um now Currently, I wanted to kind of plug what you got going on. I know you're doing some fundraising for obviously what's going on in the world today. Uh, it's You're auctioning a lot of like gear and maybe some other signed stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a longer answer, but... Um, Please yeah, do. So our, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, the boys, I've been really impressed with the guys. Like, immediately when the season was kind of put on hold, their thoughts are going to, well, who's this going to affect? And their first thought was the employees of the arena, but the the ownership here uh, in Anaheim did a great job, stepped up and said they were going to make sure everyone was paid through the end of June for any events that were going to be held at the Honda Center. So, you know, a lot of the employees are taken care of. Uh, even at our practice facility, they held the same uh, pledge. Mm-hmm. So at first we were thinking these people need some help, but now that was taken care of. We kind of, realign our thoughts and the boys stepped up and paid for uh, people on the front lines, doctors, nurses uh, to have uh, meals. Uh, so we were using local restaurants to source uh, meals for these people. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think, you know, the guys on there initially immediately threw up like $70,000 uh, from the guys. Sweet. You know, without blinking an eye. So I, you know, I was thinking, okay, so we're taking care of these people, but, as 
you know, it became more uh, obvious to me that there's going to be issues down the line with, you know, we see that unemployment is going to become an, an issue and there's a lot of vulnerable people out there where uh, the first resource they might be able to go to are, is going to be the food banks. So I uh, just, I was cleaning out my house a little bit, doing some work and I was like, you know what? I got a lot of gear that's going to sit in bags. No one's going to ever see it. <laughs> um, I appreciate it, but somebody else might appreciate it a little bit more uh, right now. And it can be used to start a, a conversation about the vulnerable people in society are going to be and what, what kind of help they're going to need. So mm-hmm. decided to use uh, the steadfast foundation, which is the foundation uh, I started with my help from my family. Uh, we already have a lot of infrastructure in place to run a lot of the, like an online auction or, or fundraising and all these things are already set up. You know, we have all the paperwork's been filed for about 12 years. <laughs> you know, we're already ready to go to help. So all we have to do now is start the conversation and get something going. So we, I decided, you know, people love talking about gear. So I got on Instagram, been throwing up some kind of insight, uh, building up to you know, putting some stuff up for auction that uh, will go immediately to help uh, you know, these food banks that are going to see, uh, you know, see some people who are going to need some help. Absolutely. Now, in order to help kind of chip in or check out what some, some of the stuff is for auction, is it the steadfastfoundation.org? Yeah, that's one way to go. And uh, I've been trying to get it up on my social media every once in a while with some links. They're in the bio uh, of Instagram and Twitter. And I've been trying to post stuff. So if you're too lazy to type in the steadfastfoundation.org, you can cruise over to one of the social media sites and try and click on some links. What uh, What's your Instagram handle? Do you know that offhand? Yeah, Ryan Miller Goalie. Very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty easy one, folks. So if you guys want to help out and chip into a great cause, you can check out the website, which is the steadfastfoundation.org. That's the website. Or you can check out Ryan Miller Goalie on Instagram. Um, Ryan, we'll be sure to link that up with this and we'll make sure we give you a, a bunch of plugs because there's a there's actually a lot of cool stuff in here. I just pulled it up. I found the skates. Kyle, you could probably use some new skates, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm actually nine and like three quarters and have your, your uh, ankle bones slightly offset, then they might fit. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Kyle, you have all that, right? Hey, if it, <laughs> if it makes me play like you, I'll, I'll buy all of it. That or your feet are going <laughs> to fall off. <laughs> For sure. So I was going to ask, cause you brought up, you know, Buffalo, Vancouver, you had a, a little run in St. Louis mm-hmm. and uh, now Anaheim. What's been your favorite place to live? I mean, they've all had their had their moments. Uh, they're all great in their own way. I feel like in Buffalo, I really spent such time there, gro- like growing up and being my own person. That I have fond memories of, of all that. And then, uh, you know, St. Louis was very brief. Uh, it was hard to get a feel for the area. Uh, but Vancouver was going to be close to me because my son was born up there. Uh, I did have a lot of fun living in that city and kind of, I'd never really lived in uh, a city of that style or been to a city like that and spent that much time. It was fun to get to know that area. It's, it's so, so unique with the city life being so close to the, the outdoor life and, and how active the people there are. And, and then down to Anaheim, just didn't know that part of uh, the extended area of, of LA and, um, getting to know that area, Orange County, uh, down kind of like Newport area, Corona Del Mar, beautiful, very, uh, very easy way to live. <laughs> Just right, right down on the, yeah. down by the beach, and the, you know everybody's pace is like kind of chill, laid back. It's it's fun. Yeah, I was gonna say there. Come on, I mean, I know Buffalo's a great city. Been there. Vancouver's obviously beautiful. St. Louis, you know, unreal place to visit, eat, great time to hang out. But 
at the end of the day when you got the beaches right there you're living on the west coast sun's always out like you definitely can't beat that especially coming from wear, Lansing, some, wear right? some shorts into the rink <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a surprising day when you're not able to it's uh it takes some getting used to though you know coming from buffalo when you kind of picture that winter scape is like hockey season and then it's like 95 degrees in october <laughs> you're like okay that's a tough life huh <laughs> um well, any windshields so it's all good yeah that's that's definitely a, a big relief there something uh, you don't have to worry about when you're outside and you got to scrape off your hands are frozen it's you know below zero uh it's definitely not like the midwest or buffalo who gets it even worse so um but ryan i i hear and i tried finding the clip but i couldn't find it but you had a little cameo in a in the tv show as a coach is that right yeah it's on sullivan and sons uh um yeah i was uh watching my nephew play and i get to kind of give it to the coach a little bit oh you were giving it to him yeah huh i scotty told me that the cameo was like you were play, you were coaching or something and some guy comes up to you and started chirping you so i guess i'll have to find it but yeah uh, but it's uh if anybody knows like mike and molly it's billy gardell from Mike, uh, Mike and Molly. Uh, oh, really? So he's playing like the coach and telling them like, "Hey, like, I can't remember the lines, obviously, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a hard time." Uh, yeah, so that's my foray into acting. But yeah, it was uh, Steve Burns' uh, show. He's a uh, he's a comedian, uh, and he got a show kind of based loosely on his uh, on his his family. Oh, I see. Okay. So does that mean we're going to see a few more uh, little spots on TV or possibly movies there moving forward? <laughs> no, we got somebody in our family who's much better at handling that side of things. So I'm going to leave it to my beautiful wife to uh, to carry that side of payments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's so definitely you, the you, pro when it comes to acting, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting hit with stuff, and that's about it. <laughs> Did she get you into that role for the coaching um, scene? I mean, sort of in a way, it's just like everyone kind of, it's friendly. And then Steve had this idea. He had an episode where they were, you know, he was coaching a, a hockey team and the other coach is kind of his rival. And he's like, how can we, you know, play off the hockey thing? And like, he called, he called us up and just said he had this idea and would I be interested that's awesome though. I mean, you get your little, uh, your little spot on uh, an acting bit. So that's cool. But you also had a little headline and I remember this. I almost forgot to ask about this. You got a little Twitter beef there, eh? With uh, <laughs> Miss Chrissy Teigen, huh? Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to have some fun. Go. I mean, if you're going to shoot your shot, uh, you go for the queen of Twitter. Uh, I just thought it was going to be fun just messing around with, uh, with somebody because uh, it seemed like she just likes to banter and go back and forth. And she left herself a little bit open. She talked about how goaltending was very easy. So we just tried to have a little bit of fun uh, pointing out that modeling could be as such. It could be just as easy. I mean, she, she tweeted, if you lay down and you lift your leg up and down, uh, you can make like 90% of saves. Well, it's like, well, what is modeling? That is it. You just lay down, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, she took it well. There's some people on Twitter who didn't. And I think I was being called a misogynist for quite a while until Chrissy and uh, uh, invited us to go watch uh, uh, John perform at a, a private uh, concert. And like, we got to hang out for a bit and we got some pictures and, we put them up and kind of reminded everybody that Twitter can be a fun place. <laughs> just well, everybody relaxes. Yeah. That was the whole point of it. Right. It was just fun. And like, obviously she doesn't think that, you know, she can play goalie. It was just a little bit of fun. And I thought it was funny. It was cool. But some people, like you said, Twitter, the Twitterverse takes things a little bit too serious sometimes. So you get results like that, but no, that's pretty cool. You got invited and you got to see John legend play. Like he's obviously a superstar in the, uh, on the music scene. So that's a pretty cool experience right there. Now, 
when you you kind of brought it up, but obviously you're uh, married to Noreen and you guys have Bodie, but I hear you guys met on a blind date. Yeah, in a way. Um, yeah, we were set up in a way. Uh, we were in Arizona to play and we had like a three-day window. So we're going to have rookie party. We're going to have all this stuff going on uh, because we had such a big break in the schedule. Wow, what dad, a weekend. <laughs> yeah, my dad gave me a heads up. He's like, hey, uh, bus is in town. You haven't seen him in a long time. Why don't you reach out to him? And by bus, that's Tim Busfield. Uh, if anybody's seen Revenge of the Nerds, he's Point Dexter. And then, I mean, he played himself in Entourage. So it's like he's kind of like a Hollywood legend. And he was on 30-something. He was the redheaded uh brother and field of dreams oh yeah yeah so bus is our most famous redhead from east lansing michigan uh, <laughs> so bus uh i got i got a hold of bus and he's like yeah i want to come see you and i was like yeah great come we got dinner but then we're going out and you should come with us and it's like yeah i'm coming with you no problem but hey i got dinner with my my whole cast and I'm, I'm shooting out here why don't you come over and say hi and then we'll meet back up. I was like, well, this is like an important night for the team. And he's like, okay, I get it, but you should really come and meet uh, Noreen. And so like he had it in his head because he'd been talking to my, my dad and probably my mom a little bit too. It was just like Ryan's single and we're worried about him. <laughs> it was pretty much the, the message. <laughs> oh no. So, so he took it upon himself to ask Noreen like, Hey, you're single, right? <laughs> and she kind of gave him a sideways look, like, where are we going with this? And he said, yeah, my buddy's uh, son is in town, great family. I think you should meet him. And he was giving me the same speech. Like, she's really nice, very talented, you know, very sweet. You should meet her. And so we, I decided, sure, why not? <laughs> and somehow... <clears throat> spoke enough words to get a first date out of it. And, and then we kept in touch and now we have uh, been together 10 years and we have a five-year-old and yeah, that's what we've, uh, we've been up to. <laughs> I, that's a crazy connection though, how it all started from bus because I didn't know he was actually from uh, uh, Lansing or East Lansing, Michigan. So that's crazy that how that all tied together, huh? Yeah. I mean, that's, funny part about life i mean if you're open to situations sometimes they turn out absolutely i mean i, I think things worked out for you guys obviously right <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that's sweet kyle did you want to do uh i want to talk about some gear well maybe we should talk quickly about the evolution of getting me back into vaughn yeah how did that come to be well i mean I came into pro wearing Vaughn and at the time uh, it was kind of the 5,500 visions or it was the brand new velocities. And I, I had a tough time transitioning to the velocity because it was, uh, it was kind of like, I don't know. It just felt very foreign to me. I, I wanted a little more of a break in, you know, I, you know when you're, coming off that old school pad, you're used to the pad breaking to a certain shape and the velocity kind of holds its shape. So I was wearing Vaughn, but then I switched to a different uh, CCM style pad kind of at the request of my team. They were like, you need to wear bigger equipment. And I couldn't get a 5,500 pad that was any that much bigger or wider. So I had, I ended up switching <clears throat> and, and then, you know, as things kind of went, uh, CCM, discontinued all the stuff I was wearing and they sold the machines that would make it. So it was pretty plain that I uh, needed to figure something out. And, and luckily, you know, talking to Scotty Hughes and uh, he's like, you know what, Brent, uh, Brent is uh, very familiar with what you got going on. Why don't you get it, give it a shot? And yeah, the first that first year back in Vaughn was pretty much, uh, I'd say like three quarters of, of a Vaughn pad or so. And then it was like a lot of the features I liked off my old stuff. 
yeah, it was like the gatekeeper was actually built uh, differently, but that pad I was wearing was, was a one-off for Curtis Joseph. <laughs> and it, it was based off an old coho mixed with a gatekeeper. And I got his sample pad and it, it was like a half inch or an inch too short. And I, but I fell in love with it when they got me the right sizing. That was the pad I wore from the American League that last year in like 0405 or 04 until, you know, 2012, 2013. Yeah, I think I've gotten much more used to certain features of a modern pad, but there was always that connection I wanted to the leg that just, uh, like the old pad just felt like it was kind of moving with you. And like, even though you get really big, uh, uh, breaking points at the toe and like the, or like the thigh rise would curve up quite a bit more. I, I always played with my knees really tight. So that didn't, you know, quite matter as much if I was on time on the safe, but learning how to kind of get, you know, the butterfly dialed in, changed up, and, like, releasing the the pressure in the foot and the toe area really helped me a lot, especially with, you know, as I got, you know, longer in my career, I had a few different injuries, you know, like a high ankle sprain. I sprained both MCLs. So getting that release in the boot to allow for my leg to kind of rotate without any restriction or my ankle as well, I mean, that was kind of – game saving career saving because I couldn't continue to play uh, with so much torque in those different areas. So the pad ended up giving you more life through the career, huh? Well, yeah, that's the idea is you figure out what works and what's, what's smart for your body as well. I mean, I think that for a while we were seeing a lot of guys with that really wide butterfly with a pad that was way out in front of their leg landing only on the knee stack. Uh, I think a lot of guys were starting to get hip and groin issues because they had their toes so tight, but they had they're falling behind the pad. And I think now guys are getting much more release and, but their, you know, their pads are actually closer to your leg now than they were in that transitional time. So yeah, I, I've always wanted to kind of get that connection. Um, it, it ends up being the most random part of the pad. Like, cause I think I, I still have it on there as I leave an extra uh, outer wing on on my leg channel because it I feel like it helps with the counter rotation. Like it keeps the pad from, you know, kind of rolling off and looking bow-legged. Now, speeding up into today's fashions here, Mr. Miller, um, and it sounds like we might be able to actually get these to you. We got something cooking in the works. We had put it out on Instagram and you did too the uh the little vintage throwback on the iceberg huh oh i know i'm just i had my fingers crossed here for the season to start up and um i don't know we'll see how serious everything goes like as of today it looks like they're really pressing for like a 2014 playoff so it's like i think uh, i don't know it might exclude our team so i'm a little a little concerned about uh about how that's going to end up well, we just got to hope for uh, for us to find a way to sneak you in there, and we'll definitely get you the set so you can at least get some uh, get a little ice on it, you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> long as I've been off the ice in, in years and years and years. I, I mean, even if we are – if we lose in, in the playoffs or we don't make the playoffs, I, I mean, I'm back on the ice uh, within like a month, month and a half to at least keep the feel for like a day or two a week. For sure, because you just got to get back into it and get the legs back in shape, right? Because obviously you want to keep moving forward and play play a couple more years, definitely. Yeah, and it's been it's been fun working with uh, the Vaughn guys. We're going to working with Brent and Scotty. I think Scotty just likes the trips out west because he gets to come hang out. Hey, come on. You can't, you can't give out that secret on air, Ryan. <laughs> I think his secret's pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Ryan, I don't want to keep you too long, but I just want to say thanks for uh, hopping on and jumping on and giving us all the insight to who is Ryan Miller. Um, and then we're definitely going to link up all your uh, the foundation and then your Instagram so people can check that out. But thanks again for the time, and 
we'll see, you know, where things kind of go moving forward. Obviously with this craziness, things are up in the air and this is definitely an unprecedented event, but either way things go, we want to wish you luck and we can't wait to get you those, uh, those icebergs. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. It was fun chatting. Thanks guys. I just want to give another quick shout out, Ryan Miller. Thank you so much for the time. It was a blast getting a chat with him. Also, I forgot to bring this up, but the story about like, um, sorry, Hootie and the Blowfish, the Stanley Cup being in East Lansing, and then going to Rick's. For those of you that haven't been to Michigan State, Rick's is a basement bar. It's gross. It's called Sticky Ricky's. It's the floor is like completely, you know, covered in booze and beer, and everything's gross. But everyone used to, well, you go to Luha's now, but everyone used to go there. So in that one night, Dan Kohler brought the Stanley Cup to East Lansing, took it down to the basement of Rick's. It was in Rick's. Guess who shows up? Tiger Woods shows up. Guess who shows up later? Hootie and the Blowfish. The three most random things to ever like coincide in one place were all at Rick's. I just I thought that was incredible. But with that being said, I do want to give another shout out to his uh, his foundation, the Steadfast Foundation, which again is the steadfastfoundation.org spelt as it sounds head over there to check out the initiatives that uh, ryan miller and his foundation are working on to help raise money and uh, provide for others in these trying times kyle what'd you think yeah it was a great interview uh always cool talking to someone who's you know he's he's an icon in the game and obviously i think when he retires uh he's gonna he's gonna be a pretty big name for years to come um i mean just looking back at his, his olympic run was something else i mean <sighs> crazy uh and then obviously his time at buffalo he's been a to, to stick in the nhl for that long is not an easy task i mean that's it's it's so impressive how he's been able to still play and you know i mean, as a goaltender too you, with the with the way the style has been you know it's tough on your knees and hips and we kind of got into a little bit about how, you know, modifying his pad design has helped him keep that longevity, but uh, nonetheless, hats off to him and hopefully uh, good luck to, to him in the future. And you bring up a great point though, with him being, you know, a pillar of goaltending. He's in a, like one of the last few legendary American goaltenders that are currently playing today alongside like Johnny Quick, right? Like two guys that'll have their names etched in the history books of what they were able to accomplish. So and then you bring up the idea of, you know, like he saw a lot of different evolutions of play, like the early versions of kind of perfected butterfly into today's game where everything's supposed to be so simple and so controlled to evolve through all of that and still find yeah. consistency and show up and put up good numbers is impressive. It, just, it shows how much work he puts into his game. Cause that's not, you know, that doesn't just happen overnight. You don't just, adapt to the way the game's changing like you got to put in time and uh, a lot of work ethic into modifying your game to be able to keep up with it because it it's changing so fast um it's it's crazy like you said like when he entered the league the butterfly style was like just coming around like and and kind of being perfected and now it's really transitioned into from you see a lot less athleticism and it's it's so hard to to simplify your game it's so hard to like just not overcommit and not go for like rely on your athletic ability to make a save. It's, it's a big mental piece. So he had to really kind of redial it in and retrain his brain, how to, how to still keep up and play in the national hockey league. Yeah. And I mean, especially you think where he started, you're watching the dominator, like, you know, and from what I hear from a lot of guys, you kind of start seeing that and you're like, Oh, I should probably play like that where that was the most dangerous thing he could have done. Luckily, he didn't and, you know, had a great career. No shout, you know, no chops well, I mean, at Dom, but whatever. Well, like you said, if you look at it back when – let's just take the Sabres to make it to make it easy. And back then you have Dominic Hasek who, I mean, I, I, don't, you don't, I don't really have to describe his playing style. You guys know. And, and now – No, no, I have... want to hear you describe it, Kyle. <laughs> give, me, give me a run-through of what that looks like on the ice. Uh, honestly – like uh, sprawling fish, diving fish out of water like fish out of water that's it pro like doing like snow angels and <laughs> and like somersaults and i don't even know just like i don't know but he stopped the puck uh fast forward to today's game you got these big uh, who's there now i think it's Olmark. 
huge 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, I don't know how tall he is. Big guy, just Ginormous. plays it. Simple style, you know, takes cover, takes takes away net, covers, uh, like, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy how much the game's changed. And for him to be able to adapt, like, if you go through and watch him throughout the years, he's really, like, changed. Yeah, it's completely, it's developed, it's evolved. The way he plays the game and stops pucks is completely changed. But... With that being said, thank you, Ryan Miller. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, be sure to subscribe, like, follow, uh, rate, five stars, all that stuff. Uh, and uh, keep us going. Keep us on the airwaves. Kyle, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. See you next week.